Welcome to Happy Hunters. We're your host, Molly. And Jonathan. Today's interview is with full-time wanderer, Ben Macri, who walks through every open door with little fear and huge optimism. Throughout life, opportunities arise and you can choose to take them or not. And most often we'll say, let's go. We just want to take a moment to tell you how much we love one of our sponsors, Nature's Head Composting Toilet. When we renovated the bathroom in the camper, we got rid of our old flush toilet and made the switch to a composting one and could not be happier. I did have some reservations at first, but Nature's Head has thought of everything. With minimal parts and easy assembly, installation was super simple, and when it comes to emptying, it is a breeze. Plus, there is no odor. With all the time we spend outside, we know that each small action makes a big difference. So my favorite part of using a composting toilet is how it's waterless. Did you know that the average toilet uses three and a half gallons of water per flush? Just think of how many gallons a day that is. Our composting toilet helps us conserve water and it's so easy to use. We actually purchased our toilet months before Nature's Head Composting Toilet was even a sponsor. For more information, go to natureshead.net. That's natureshead.net to get yours today. Today's episode features Ben Macri, whose humanitarian work has provided him with the insight that our lives are small in the grand scheme of the world, that we must notice and take the opportunities as they arise, that we must look forward, not backward, no matter what. Hi, Ben. Welcome to Happy Hunters. Molly and I invited you to be on our show because we absolutely love your attitude towards traveling and wandering. Now, we met last summer in the middle of nowhere, New Mexico. Your energy was so magnetic, we could tell that you had so much to offer. Unfortunately, we could only spend a little time together, so we are really excited that you are joining us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. You and your partner of 25 years mostly live and travel in your RV. You said your current source of joy is full-time exploration on the road. How did you two stumble upon this type of happiness, living the RV traveling life? Very early on, in fact, when we first met, one of the first things, we did a road trip. I think we hardly knew each other. That kind of uh, set the stage for the rest of our time together. You know, the old saying is if you guys can be in a close proximity for any length of time, it's a true test of relationship. And, uh, well, we very quickly found out that we were very compatible in the environment of travel and exploration. You said your relationship has grown into a mutual love of wanderlust and learning and, and that you egg each other on. What does that look like? What are you encouraging in each other? Both of us are hungry learners. Each of us has our own individual avenues of study, and those avenues intersect with each other. They bisect and they bifurcate. As we go somewhere, we'll study it, we'll do research on it, we'll do internet work on it. We also write it now. We've been doing it for about three years full time. We've got a huge compendium of resources of just exploring, and every time we do that, it just opens up another doorway. 
And that's the cool thing about it. If there's excitement in my voice, there is. These doors open up, and the more doors open up, the more excitement, the more excitement, the more doors. And uh, it's sometimes overwhelming. We've said many times, we'd love to find a vampire because if a vampire could bite us and we could live forever, we would just love to just keep the process rolling. What are some of these doors that you've walked through? Opportunities. Throughout life, opportunities arise, and you can choose to take them or not. And most often, we'll say, let's go. This year, we were sitting around, and one of us turned to the other and said, hey, why don't we go to Greece and just hang out on the Peloponnese and rent a chalet and just hang out? And then maybe, hey, how about let's go to Venice? And, and so that's the way our life works. We talk about things. Things arise. We jump on them. We plan. We save. And we do it. And that's kind of what our whole time together has been about, is stepping forward, reaching for the ring, and doing what we say we're going to do. So you told me that as a teacher, you were always reaching for the ring, attempting to find new ways to open yourself and your students through creative ideas and thinking strategies. So you practice that reaching for the ring in your personal life. In what other ways are you reaching for the ring? Early on when I was studying educational theory and practicing simultaneously, I ran across a writer, uh, Howard Gardner, who wrote about the multiple intelligences. There's body kinesthetic, musical, linguistic, interpersonal, mathematical, and existential. And through any one of those areas, we all excel. We have our strengths and weaknesses. That's been a way in which I've kind of lived my life is being open, never being held back by adversity. The ring is kind of a metaphorical term for reaching out, being in the moment, and living through that experience, which is kind of a way of saying, seeing the door open and stepping into it. Choosing to live in an RV full-time is a huge decision. I know for Molly and I, it took us four years to make that switch. How did you transition into a life of constant travel? started out with that very first six months together. And then it became every year during a winter break and summer vacation, we would make plans to go camping, traveling. We went to England multiple times. And then that just started to build. As I approached retirement, Ruth was still working. We said to ourselves, what do we want to do? We want to live a simpler lifestyle. We have a beautiful home, of course. But how can we downsize yet do what we love to do, which is travel? We thought, well, maybe we'll do a tiny house. You know, tiny house has its coolness. It's very compact. You have yes. to live simply. And we thought, okay, tiny house is cool. We get a tiny house and then find a small piece of land and, you know, live the dream. But then we went, wait a minute, we love to travel. So what's the combination of those two elements? Simple living and love to travel. You got a house on wheels. Hey, what does that sound like? <laughs> so as I approached retirement, we said, hey, let's get an RV. And we started looking at them. We went to... RV shows, and we saw what was out there, and we decided to go with our Airstream, and uh, the rest is history. Again, it's contextual. Everything followed the process that happened before it and presses on to the future. And there's a Buddhist saying, this is this because that is that. Everything happens in the flow of life. You make it sound so easy. Did you <laughs> did you two have any fears leaving everything and living in the in an RV and traveling? 
the natural things like, can we afford it? But whenever we felt that way, we've always sat down and planned it. You know, an Airstream is not cheap. A tow vehicle is not cheap. And we sat down and we said, okay, let's let's set aside money. Let's do what we need to do to make this happen. And we followed our plan and our plan came to fruition. No fear. <laughs> what is the next door? We're working up the East Coast. We're going up into the Nova Scotia and then across back into America to visit a friend we met in the Southwest. And then back home for a month, uh, doctor's appointments and all that. And then uh, we're going to be going back south for the winter and then up into Alaska for the duration of the good weather. And then we come back from Alaska, come back down, and then head over to Greece, Venice, and probably England, and who knows. So you believe that happiness isn't always smiling and laughing, but learning from life experiences and moving forward. You grew up in a dysfunctional home with a mother that mistreated you and your siblings. You were also in an unhappy, unfulfilling marriage. Some people have a tendency to hold on to their hardships. How were you able to move forward instead of dwelling and staying in that dysfunctional mentality? I'm going to come back to that multiple intelligence aspects again, and that is there's the existential, which is maybe you could say spiritual, but more than that, it's it's the quest to understand who we are, what life is, and to constantly move forward in that. Even though I had a very rough life, marriage was painful, previous marriage, but I moved on. I had to make a choice when I was in my former marriage. Am I going to be living in a, a life where I'm unhappy, or am I going to move forward? Everyone said, oh, man, just to make your marriage work, you just got to stay with it. You know, yeah, even though you're not happy, it's what you got to do. It's good for the kids. And I'm going, you know, if I'm not true to myself, then what am I? So I'm not going to live in pain. I'm not going to live in misery. I'm not going to live in hopes of what would happen in the future. I'm going to move. I'm going to move toward my happy spot and work out what needs to be worked out to make that possible. Yeah, I can look back, but it's always looking forward. Looking forward, reaching for the rain, brother. (laughs) (laughs) I have to be honest. uh, I had to Google what it meant. I've never heard that saying before. Would you mind explaining it in your words? Years ago, when people would ride the merry-go-round, on the very outside of the merry-go-round, when you got on your horse, you'd have to ride the outside horse for that. As the merry-go-round went around, there would be a hook with a metal ring hanging on it. You could reach out as the merry-go-round went around and grab the ring. It was kind of a challenge and a reward all in one. Oh, wow. That's a really good way to say that. Always reaching for what's coming around the bend, grabbing a hold of it. There's one more aspect to that I forgot to mention. When you got the ring, you got a free ride. So is there a free ride? (laughs) (laughs) A large part of your working career was providing health care to others. You studied paramedics, you worked in operating rooms, emergency rooms, you volunteered with the Red Cross in Guatemala teaching emergency medicine, you went to Thailand and provided triage care and helped refugees relocate to the U.S. during the Cambodian-Vietnamese War. What drew you into this line of work? My very first job, I was living in Chicago. I just graduated from high school. I was out pounding the streets looking for work. I happened to walk by this church. There was a wedding going on. I've been getting a lot of no answers from job prospects. So I just, I'll go and sit and watch this wedding. So I went in, sat in the back. The wedding completed. A couple walked out. I said, congratulations, and then went on my way. 
the next day, I decided I was going to go to a hospital and see what I could find. So just out of the clear blue, I applied for a job as an OR tech, and the person who interviewed me was the woman who was getting married. Oh, wow. That's a trip, eh? Yeah, small world. And I got the job, especially after I said, congratulations on your marriage, and she gave me a funny look. Uh, <laughs> wow, wow. That was a door. It opened up. I went into it. And then next thing you know, I found myself working in a hospital. And then I moved to another state, another city, and decided I want to, uh, I wanted to study paramedics. So I went to the University of Alabama in Birmingham and took a year and studied paramedics. At the same time, I was working in an ambulance company and then worked in the emergency room, the International Red Cross in uh, Central America, Guatemala for a while, training the people in emergency medicine there. Right about that time, my life started to kind of shift again. Somebody said, hey, uh, we heard there's a refugee crisis in Southeast Asia. You got that experience in nursing. Why don't you send an application and see what you can do? And I went, wow, interesting idea. Never thought about it. So I did. I sent a letter off to some relief agencies, and Catholic Relief Services accepted me, took me to New York for, for some training, and then within a month, I was in Thailand working in the refugee camps. So how has working in a war-torn area and uh, in high-needs locations like these refugee camps, how do they change your perspective on life? It was the most powerful experience of my life for a number of reasons. Part of my job was the intensity of helping to save people who were on the edge of death. And then doing triage work on helicopters in and out of the war zone. But also working with a group of people who were of like-minded. A lot of them were ex-Peace Corps travelers themselves, backpacking through Asia for one reason or another, got hooked into helping people on a humanitarian basis. I left the relief agency doing nursing work and then went to work with the U.S. Embassy in Thailand processing refugees. And that was even more intense because I worked in the refugee camps daily, processing people's stories and preparing them to come to America for eligibility. And that was a major life changer. All of us were living life on the edge. We were hearing stories of death. Millions of people died. The Khmer Rouge just were slaughtering people. So to live in that environment, it puts you in a place where life is precious and you recognize that the world is a lot bigger than yourself. Wow. I can't even imagine what that was like. It was very intense. And yeah. part of that was the next stage where I met refugee woman and her family and her escaping and coming to America. That was the basis of our relationship. She didn't speak English and I didn't speak Cambodian at the time. And I was learning Thai and she was learning Thai. And Thai was our common language. And then I was learning Cambodian. She was learning English. And so our friendship was shallow, but... It was based on coming to America. And I brought her and her family, four people, to America. I came back myself, found a job. It was a struggle to support a family like that instantly. Finding work was complicated. Some people promised me work and it didn't come through. So I dug ditches. I did grunt work. And I worked my way up by the bootstraps doing small-time teaching. And then the teaching became a larger process. And I got a job working part-time at the college, teaching ESL, English as a second language. Started going back to school. Got my BA degree in Southeast Asian Studies. Continued teaching. Got a full-time position. Went back to school. Got my master's degree in education. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it really is. We've come to the, the last part of the interview, the silly but equally important questions. What is something that everyone looks stupid doing? <laughs> Trying to figure out politics. <laughs> <laughs> if, we, if we don't take ourselves too seriously, we're pretty cool people. But 
things are so polarized right now in our society politically. If you look at that, it's painful. But if you meet people on on the street, on the ground, we can laugh at our foibles and be human. That makes a big difference. So in 40 years, what will people be nostalgic for? I think about this sometimes. What are people nostalgic for now? I mean, everyone always says, oh, I wish for the more simpler times, you know, right. when, they, when we weren't so inundated with social media and all that. And we have advanced technologically, but uh, socially, we have, we've got a ways to go yet. If you could use only one condiment for the rest of your life, what would it be? Well, forgive me, but the very first thing that comes to my mind is that silly song in uh, a teaspoon of sugar. Like the, <laughs> the, 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 yeah. like the world's around. <laughs> but I know that's not very good. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Uh, condiment. Uh, maybe uh, a spice of some kind. Ras al Hanout. Ooh. At it. Ras al Hanout. That's a good one. It's a great spice that it's got like 14 different. Uh, spices in it. In fact, I've got some right in front of me here. Nice. It's got cumin, black pepper, paprika, grains of paradise. What the heck is that? Turmeric, cayenne, lemon, cinnamon, cardamom, allspice, juniper, nutmeg, galangal, ginger, mace, fenugreek, mustard, clove, anise, fennel, licorice, rose, lavender, hibiscus, and white pepper. Dude, that's wow. more than one spice. Yeah. Yeah, that spice has an interesting uh, history. My background is in culinary, actually. Ah. So, yeah, so Ras Al Hanu translates to uh, head of the house. Huh. And so all the spice markets in the Middle East, um, they all had their own version of Ras Al Hanu. And it was yeah. their blend of their best and most expensive spices. So it would vary from spice merchant to spice merchant, depending on like, who got the best grains of paradise, who got the best fenugreek, whatever that that spice shop made. But now it's kind of like one seamless spice blend. But yeah, that's a great one. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, share about joy, about happiness? I think some of that joy and happiness is partially meeting you guys too, right? It's like every little piece of the picture is like a a mosaic. It's like a, uh, what's the artist that draws pointillists? Surat, that's the way I like to see it, is every little aspect of life is like a surat. Every color, every point of light comes together. If you get down really close, you don't see the picture. But yet all the pieces are part of a grand, beautiful image. That's the way I see it. Yeah, that's beautiful. I like that. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Happy Hunters. We are truly inspired by your energy and your lust for life is infectious and all those doors you walk through. That's just great. Well, I think you're walking through them too, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Try Thank you. Ben's life has been an amazing journey filled with opportunities that he was brave enough to take. What doors are open for you right now? What would you do if you weren't afraid? What do you want to do next? Head over to Happy Hunters Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook to share your experiences, connect with others, inspire, and empower. Continue to learn and adventure with Ben on his blog over at anamericanstream.com. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this episode and have found a little bit of inspiration to accompany you on your happiness journey. 
We are a brand new podcast and could use your help so others can find the show. Please subscribe, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. Tune in for new episodes every Tuesday. You can also support the show by supporting our sponsors. If you know a happy someone who we should interview, head to iconoclasticwellness.com slash happyhunters to nominate them or yourself. Find us over on Instagram at Molly and Jonathan and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Our Tiny Mess, to stay up to date on our RV adventures. And we'll see you next week.